podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to the FPL Wire and today I have a very special guest, uh, Fran, who is a great member of the community, excellent rank, absolutely flying this season and uh, he's on a wildcard. So we thought, you know, why not get Fran on the channel, get his views on why he decided to wildcard now, how his season has been going. But first, Fran, how are you doing? Well, first of all, thank you, Praz, for inviting me to The Wire. Um, absolute privilege to be here. And yeah, I mean, the rank has been nice so far, but we'll, we'll see where it goes after um, this wild card. Where are you now, uh, approximately? Uh, I think around 600 something in the world. Oh, that's absolutely crazy. So tell me about your season. I mean, it's been difficult in the beginning for a lot of FPL managers with the Man United and the Chelsea shocks, but you actually enjoyed some returns from the Chelsea guys. So tell me about the beginnings of how you sort of went to these ranks. Yeah, I think the, the beginning was um, really me going for Sterling and Gusto early because I had already sort of picked up on trying to punt towards Kai Havertz and that sort of central forward shenanigans from the Community Shield and then also Reese James. And I decided to replace the two of them with Sterling and Gusto. I then managed to capitalize on that Luton hole. And of course, I think oh, yeah. as the rest of the community did, we, we suddenly moved more towards Chelsea and they kind of cooled off. Um, but I had also owned a lot of United players. And so my season sort of went downhill again when uh, before wildcard, eight, obviously, I think we were progressively feeling a little bit worse about United and our triple ups over there. Um, and I just moved into sort of a, a more Spurs template team, but also while sort of progressively getting a Salah Haaland draft in place, you know, in anticipation of some good Salah games. You were game week eight wildcard, but you kept Haaland. And despite that, you've sort of done consistently well. So after the wildcard, you'd say it's maybe the Sun, uh, obviously the Salah, you probably got the captaincy right between Salah and Haaland as well a few times. I think you make a good point. So most of the Salah only sort of managers, I think they, they outright overperformed compared to me as well. And we, of course, we had Haaland versus Brighton, Haaland versus Bournemouth. Those were fixtures where I think we lost out crucially. And it's not like, for example, Holland's performance versus United magically saved our ranks. So I think definitely versus the sort of engaged crowd and the, the managers who had that solo only template, I think I was losing out. But because of my sort of hot start, I think that's that's what allowed me to sort of maintain a positive rank during that time. And then only more recently did I sort of get some larger sort of rank rises and um, benefit from that, I would say. And what's the more recent? Is it the captaincy? Was it the, the were you Watkins captain? Um, no, sadly not. I did go for a Palmer captaincy though. Um, so that sort of softened the blow a little bit, but I think it's more so the case that I've gotten most of the, the, the large halls recently and not missed any of them. So for example, during that week, I still had Watkins, um, as opposed to, you know, not owning him at all. I've had Saka recently. I've had Gabrielle as well, not Saliba though. Uh, but on gaming 21, another swing, I guess, versus more elite managers was me going Palmer captaincy. I remember in the content creators league, I think the top 20 had all gone Saka except for me where I went Palmer. And then obviously that was, you know, once again, another strike of good fortune. Nice, nice. Look, uh, really hope you continue this. And obviously the wild card is going to take you further up and we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll see. But I also want to talk about uh, first just your approach. I mean, you've been playing FPL for three, four years now. You've yeah. got a few good ranks. So Tell, tell us about your, your rank history, but also how you've approached playing FPL, because I know you through a lot of, you know, the, the discussions we have on the analytical side. So how has that been for you in terms of the journey? Yeah, it's a good point that you mentioned analytics. I think the journey has been sort of to embrace analytics um, as a little bit more of a football-minded person, someone who definitely would watch all the matches, 
particularly during COVID where we had easy access to all the games. Um, I took more of that approach and I definitely did not take planning as seriously. At the time, I wasn't really creating content for FPL um, that seriously. I was just someone who was casually creating football content actually with a friend of mine. And, and at the time, the YouTube channel that I run now was just purely just a post-match sort of tactics analytics or anal analysis channel. Um, so more match the day type stuff as opposed to, you know, looking towards FPL and actually thinking about um, or making that mindset switch really where you're thinking about someone like Douglas Louise, I think is such a perfect example. Um, someone who's on set pieces, someone on penalties, like those are avenues to FPL points and serious, you know, avenues to FPL points compared to just looking at a player that I liked on the pitch, like a Phil Foden, which I think is the perfect example of that. Um, and yeah, that that switch sort of happened during the Euros where I um, spoke a little bit more to managers who also model for projected points and just thinking about as well, you know, even from, let's say, like a betting point of view, how, how can we sort of predict certain outcomes on things? And um, that took a bit of time understanding how models work, understanding how we view analytics and also, you know, taking my sort of, um, you know, layman football view uh, judgment and, and sort of criticizing that, trying to see, you know, whether I could find any faults in it, um, but also trying to, you know, embrace that part of the approach. But what I like the most about analytics now is sort of that I can combine that edge of thinking about, you know, statistics like XG and XA, and combining that with what I think about uh, from from like a managerial perspective, like for example, what what sort of minutes a certain player will get under a manager, under certain tactical styles, um, and over a run of games, of course, if there's anything that could you know sway me away from a player or sway me away from a team, for example. And I think Wildcard Eight is a good example of that once again, where I think even from an analytics point of view, a lot of people were still quite confident in United, but um, I really couldn't support what I was seeing on the pitch as well. Um, with my own FPL team. So that's why I made certain decisions uh, within that way. And I think that's a good sort of um, reflection of my journey. And, and fortunately, of course, the ranks have risen as well. Um, but a lot of that, of course, is, is partly due to luck. Another aspect I'd say that I didn't quite handle within my first two years of playing FPL seriously was just the planning element of things and just being a bit more patient in terms of understanding how important, let's say, not taking a hit would be in certain weeks um, and, and not reacting too emotionally to the game. Absolutely. I mean, those are all the things that also echo with me in terms of good planning, making good decisions, using your football knowledge and applying it to sensible things and yeah. not going gung-ho. I mean, I, I have played for a very long time, but even I think over the last three, four years, there's a little bit of a fundamental change in terms of how we think about the game, how we think about certain decisions. And so it's 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 great to hear and it's really good to see that you're doing well this season. Um, I mean, before we get to your wildcard discussion, tell us about your channel. Uh, I mean, I know you you do regular YouTube content, deadline streams. I've I've listened to some of your stuff. It's really great. So do you want to give a couple of minutes on what you do and how where people can find you? Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube, um, just searching for FPL space Fran. Um, you can also find me on Twitter with FPL underscore underscore Fran. Uh, I also make some TikTok content on the side, but that's something that's more geared towards um, a certain crowd, short form content. But yeah, as you said, obviously, most of the, the work that I do is around YouTube, uh, mostly creating long form content, but looking particularly at a series that I like to do, which is sort of my unique selling point, which is the cheat sheet series, looking at sort of different price points in FPL and sort of creating what I would call almost like an efficiency of a certain player over, you know, the, the short to medium term in FPL. And then also thinking ahead, of course, with, you know, blanks and, and doubles in mind in this stage of the season, or obviously early in the season where we have less data, just what I'm seeing on the pitch, plus um, some early insight into, you know, analytics or the, anal 
the XG or the XA of a certain player, but also with a bit of a historical edge as well, just to make sure that we're not sort of overshooting or undershooting our expectations. Nice, nice. Look, I mean, the the wire listeners are all very engaged and absolutely yeah. uh, players, and so I think uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, FPL space Fran. That's actual space, not SPACE, <laughs> yeah. um, on, on YouTube. And, and yeah, I, I enjoy a lot of what you do. So uh, keep it up. And uh, guys, if you can subscribe, both like this video and subscribe to the channels, that would be much, much appreciated. Let's then go to wildcard. So um, first tell me about at what point in the season did you say, okay, wildcard 26 makes sense for me? Was it the double announcement for Liverpool and City? Was it more recently where you said, look, the path that my team is going towards, I'm going to dead end towards 25? When did you actually make the decision? Yeah, I, I think I was I was definitely not set into a wild card until game week 24. Um, but I think recent outcomes have sort of swayed me more towards it. So I think by game week 24, the idea of wild card on 26 had been open to me. Um, but the issue, of course, is that I've had Trent, for example, in my team, um, which obviously I'm sure you feel the common pain of that. Um, Poro as well. Well, I sold him for Van Dyke, so I can't really share. Yeah. Him. Well, no, no, I, I, I also did that move as well. So we'll, we'll see what Vert, uh, Van Dyke does versus Luton. But um, I think it's more so the idea that that, like, let's say moves like being forced to do Trent to Van Dyke would still put me one transfer down in terms of my Gaming 26 team. And I was thinking, yes, of course, I'm going to lose out on a lot of information compared to what managers will get in Gaming 27 and beyond. But why not take the opportunity to still maximize on the Liverpool double for Gaming 25 and then also sort of resuscitate my team on Gaming 26 as well? Because I, ha I have players like Poro, who, of course, I mean, he was not going to play in Gaming 26 at all. But um, even the doubt around him, that that th those are small little things that sort of push me towards that sort of line of thinking. Uh, and then on top of that, too, I had someone like Eze, who unfortunately, you know, still doesn't look like he's close to, to, to football and, and things like that. In time, and also combined with the ownership of, let's say, Richarlson, um, Poro, Palmer, and Colwell, sort of pushed me towards that basically because not, none of the players that I really wanted to play on Gaming 26 were coming back. And my team, in terms of the, the shape of it, doesn't seem like it'll navigate, let's say, 26 and 29 well. Um, so that's sort of what really le led me to it. I think it's just a short term gain of 25 and 26, really, compared to what I think I'll lose out versus the rest of the crowd. Um, and, and yeah, people who'll be wildcarding much later than myself. Absolutely. I think that's a great point on, on people who are thinking about it or on the edge of a wild card. So I think the biggest pro is you will get a huge gain in game week 26, especially if your team isn't set up, right? A lot of people will have six or seven. You'll have to take hits of minus eight, minus 12. And this isn't the best week to take those hits because you want Spurs players who don't have a game. You probably want long term, you want Liverpool players don't have a game. So there are aspects towards game week 20 and, you know, Teams like Wolves and Man United have a superb game this week. So there is that massive gain to take in Game Week 26. I think another advantage of this week is Game Week 28, right? I mean, a lot of people are now stumbling upon Bournemouth, but you don't want to overload on Bournemouth because they're playing Man City this week. So transfers are so precious that you would want to get a Neto, you want to get a Solanke, but you don't want too many this week as well. So I completely get, I think the benefit you'll see is 26, even 28, and possibly depending on how you set up 29 as well. It's what happens beyond. One question I always have is, give me 26. Um, if there's an upset or if there's something that changes next week, because obviously the FA Cup fifth round games happen next week, how does that navigate? So when we look at your team, 
I'll basically go through a little bit of iterating on what happens if certain things happen. But did that actually come into your thinking at all that maybe I should just hold off a week and take a couple of hits if it's needed and, and just wildcard in 27? Yeah, I, I, I just thought that why not plan for a scenario where I imagine that some upsets will happen. So I think if you look at some of Spaceman or Ben Krellen's graphics so far um, on Twitter, you'll see that actually our, our understanding of the blank is, is that we most likely expect around five blank gimmick fixtures or maybe 5.2. I think that's the correct number um, or 4.81. So the idea, of course, is that we, we know probably another game or two will be confirmed on the Game Week 29 slate. And the way I saw it was by looking at different scenarios based on gambling odds uh, or betting odds rather um, for outcomes in terms of those FA Cup matches that you speak of. Can I set my team up in a way where I can still sort of lean towards those gambles? Because I think the positive, of course, of the gambles is that, you know, teams like Arsenal, they suddenly have a fixture. Um, you know, we don't really even care about Gaming 29 at all. There's no stress around it. Um, but also, how good are a team like Arsenal, even if you have that blank game fixture? I think it's it's a fair argument to say that someone like Saliba, if you have three good fixtures in a row with him, that could actually rival any other player and any other team defender for four game weeks. So thinking about Game Week 29 just made me actually realize that the fixture is probably not that, con like as in the Game Week itself is not that consequential. So why not change my team to set up for 26 and the slate up until what you mentioned, of course, the 30 plus um, with what we know now in terms of gambling odds. And, and yeah, that's something I did think about. Of course, as you say, the Gaming 27 upsets can be wild. Last season, we had some outcomes that were quite ridiculous, I think, within the 5 to 20 percent um, range in terms of probabilities. And, and those came up on the slate. So, of course, I am betting against that. Um, that's, of course, why I'm wildcarding in the first place. But it is a calculated gamble, I would say. And um, I think even if I can, let's say, guarantee enough of a gain from 26 and 27, 28, as you say, the hits that I might have to take after this, I, I think could be justified. Yep, absolutely. That's a good way to think about it. Without further ado, then maybe then let's get <laughs> to the draft. So, uh, you know, let's have the big review. Um, and if you want to read out your, your team as it stands. Yeah, so the wildcard draft as it stands has Martinez uh, in goal. Regulon, Paul Torres, Gabriel, Senesi, and Pedro Porro as my five defenders. Um, this is conditional on Pedro Porro being fit um, and if we get news on him. And then in the midfield, we have Odegaard, Juanqui Chan, Garnacho, and Saka. And in the front line, we have Holland, Watkins, and Solanke. And the, the bench goalkeeper here in this situation is Neto from Bournemouth. And you obviously have Sun already in place on yep. the bench. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Look, uh, first thing that stands out to me is you're not free-hitting in 29 because you've got triple Aston Villa um, and you've got your double Spurs, so that's already five. You've got your Regulion, which is six. If I read correctly, that's yep. about it for yep, now. Yeah, you're correct. Six. That's six, only six. Yeah. Um, so what is... Actually, we'll come down to the path and, and carry this team forward to 29 in, in a second. Let's first talk about as it is now. Double Villa defense. So people are not confident on Villa at all. Is it because you have no third good option from Villa and you just go, okay, Martinez is as good as anyone? Um, so I think it's actually between Martinez and Flecken, like in this draft scenario. And the way I see it is I was looking more towards triple Villa and, and who I'd like to get from Villa. 
And probably the only two players that, you know, aren't here are Douglas Luiz and Bailey that we could seriously consider on a wildcard 26. I still think that I'd probably prefer Martinez and the punt on Garnacho than going for Douglas Luiz at this point in time. But of course, I think if I was a bit safer, you can see that if I went for Douglas Luiz, I'd probably have one more outfield player on 29. Um, and that would lose me Garnacho, which I think I would be quite upset about. Um, and I think that's pretty much what it comes down to. I, I like the idea of um, going for triple Villa and not having double Villa defense, but I mean, obviously people are going to be thinking about the injuries and even, for example, the performance versus Fulham, and ju but just in general that their defense probably this season hasn't lined up with where we sort of see them in the table. They're probably more a team that we look at for attack anyways. Um, but I, I, I still think that, you know, the fixtures are there for 26 and 29 from a Villa defense point of view. So I'm sort of angling more towards that. Yeah, bad, right? exactly. I mean, for people like me who are looking to dead end, I like Villa a lot because 26, you have a playable fixture. Uh, 30 is a very good fixture because actually your Arsenal defenders are playing City. Mm -hmm. So you actually can play your Villa defender or defenders, depending on how many you have. I'll have two. Um, so that's Villa. And I think, look, I think it makes sense to to go for that triple up, especially if you're not looking to free hit in 29. Um, I guess before we move on, your free hit, you've got both free hit and bench boost left, right? Yes. So your plan yeah. is free hit, bench boost in 34, 37. Yeah, correct. Okay. Okay. So we will again come back to chips a little bit later. Let's let's focus on defense. So Gabriel, I think no brainer. You want, you probably want to keep him forever until you can. But I'm interested. No second defender, but you went for Odegaard instead. So could you could you have thought about a defend a you know let's say Powell instead of. Saliba and Odegaard instead of Douglas Lewis. I know it's a lot cheaper, but is it that you specifically wanted Arsenal attack because of the fixtures or something else? Um, nothing particular. I, I think it's the idea that when... Um, well, it really depends on Pedro Porro, I would actually say, because Pedro Porro is someone that I, I can see playing in 27. And if you look at, for example, my team, it doesn't seem like I've got a super strong team for gaming 27 and Pedro Porro is not fit. Um, but if, if, if let's say Pedro for, um, so yeah, that's basically my, my assumption here. If, if, if I think Poro is ready to play for 27, I don't feel like Saliba is that important to my team. And I also think that there's not too many midfielders right now, um, that I'd actually prefer to having than Odegaard. So it's also just about, do I have defenders that can cover some nice Saliba fixtures versus some midfielders who can cover Odegaard? I think Bruno is a good example of, of a player who, who certainly could cover, um, what Odegaard does for, for this team as well. And I mean, that that could be, that that is something that I'm still considering. It's just more so that I, I like maybe saving a little bit of money here with this draft and deliberately not going Bruno because actually this draft has a lot of money in the bank and in, in yeah. so, some sort of insane scenario where um, Salah, for example, might not be, um, you know, blanking gaming 29 anymore, I, I can be a bit more flexible and just sort of bit off Odegaard if I really need to. Okay, makes sense. Uh, midfield, well, let's finish the defense first. So I think Poro, you talked about Pau Torres, Gabriel, Sinesi. Yeah. So I noticed you haven't gone Doughty, you know, mm. the fan favorite, yeah. the guy who also has a double. Is it just because Sinesi has a better double, so you'd rather uh, not commit on a Luton defender, you know, because he could play in 29 as well. Yep, so and I think, think he will. So you Doughty versus Sinesi. So I, I the, the way I see it, actually, there's like a sort of triangular relationship between Senesi, Poro, and Doughty within any wildcard 26 draft. The reason being, um, if let's say I was to bring Doughty into my team and um, 
and also Pedro Porro. I, I think it, it sort of leaves my team a little bit too weak leading up to 28. So I'd much rather have either Senesi or Doughty be a 28 transfer, or I do the exact opposite of that. And um, if Pedro Porro is not available, I probably have Saliba at one point. Um, and I actually bring in Pedro Porro later on at Gimme 29 when I need to call upon some um, Spurs players. So I, I think Doughty is still probably, you know, a, a semi-booked transfer. Because as you say, he's still a very good player for 28. Um, and the key thing, of course, is gaming 29. Any, let's say, Luton player that I go for, it almost feels like you're hedging against a United player, right? Because, um, and I think that's totally fine because I don't have perfect information like some other people will a week after me. Um, and I think Doughty right now is actually still within my plans. It's just that he doesn't appear in this draft and that's because I've got Pedro Porro instead for now. Um, okay, that's on defense and I do agree with you. I mean... I think the hedge that you're talking about just for the listeners is basically either Man United or Luton will definitely have a game because either Man United will win their FA Cup or they will lose their FA Cup. So you can hedge and say, if I have a Garnacho and a Doughty, that's a confirmed one extra player for Game Week 29. So yeah, that's something that I, I was also thinking about. I would honestly maybe think about Toro to Doughty, if that is an option. It only leaves an option of going triple Spurs mid or something like that, uh, uh, you know, closer to game week 29, and then you get the Luton at home game as well. But you've got to make some sacrifices in each spot. So um, your defense is is good, but I'm actually more enticed by your midfield because your midfield is the edge that a lot of people won't have because I can see a lot of people having your forward line by game week 26, so non-wildcarders. I see a lot of people... Not having the similar defenders, but matching the defensive capability because people will go for a Villa defender this week. They'll have a Arsenal defender, probably even have a second Arsenal defender. Midfield is where this is really spicy. So I don't think people can get to a Huang unless they say, OK, I'm going to commit to a free hit or because they just don't have enough transfers left. So the Wolves upside, tell me about that. Are you Again, you could have gone for a safer pick that plays into, you know, like a Bowen or something, but you've chosen a Huang for the upside and... Talk to me about the picture. Yeah, I, I think Huang's probably locked on any variant of a draft that I would create on Wildcard 26, just because um, if, let's say, you take the assumption that he's on penalties uh, and also the fixtures that he has, like Sheffield United home, um, I wouldn't pass up on an opportunity to have someone like Huang, basically, against uh, Sheffield United home. In fact, I, I think you could still probably squeeze another Wolves player in this draft if you were very aggressive. Um in place of, let's say, Garnacho potentially, or maybe the regular on spot. Um, but that clearly shows that you're very uh, neglectful of Gaming 29, but you just like the upside, I think, of the fixtures around that. And I think that's something that us Wildcard 26 players have to think about. Um, but yeah, with Wang, I, I think, as you mentioned, um, most people are probably going to be thinking about something between Huang or Douglas Louise for this week, because Douglas Louise obviously is, is the safer pick. Um, over the sort of general run of games, you know that he's going to play for sure. But with Huang, I, I, once again, it's that sort of argument with Saliba, you know, with three fixtures versus uh, so, someone else with four fixtures. Um, and I still see Huang's, for example, fixture run where he's got Fulham at home, Sheffield United at home um, over the next three uh, as probably being someone that could even be better than Douglas Luiz, uh, considering that there's also a small probability that he could play on Game 29. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Wolves, for Wolves to qualify, they have to, uh, or have a game, they have to lose themselves and also mm -hmm. hope Bournemouth, if I yeah. remember Yeah, Bournemouth have to lose to Leicester. Yeah, 
and uh, so then in that case, both Bournemouth and and Wolves will have a game. Um, yeah, Bournemouth will play Wolves basically. Okay, that would be huge. I mean, that would be more Luton yeah. and just get triple up on Bournemouth uh, because they have the much better double in twenty twenty eight. Um, and then Garnacho, obviously from a price perspective, makes perfect sense. But does he have enough? I mean, are you going to play Garnacho apart from this week at all? Um. I actually see Garnacho potentially. Let's say let's say United actually beat Nottingham Forest. I would actually move Garnacho immediately on game week twenty seven to Richarlison. So he would be a one week punt, and I'd probably actually. I'll, I'll give a question to you. I mean, what do you think? But between let's say if you were to compare Garnacho and Bruno Fernandez right now, um, and, and and money wasn't an issue. I mean, how do you feel about those two assets? It's honestly similar. Exactly, and. What we do is basically, Man United are currently playing basketball. They're not playing football, right? So they allow, there's basically free movement in midfield between attack and defense. And so our thing is we, we defend, defend, defend. Someone gets the ball, makes a cross field pass to Garnacho. He runs, either he can cross or shoot, sometimes miss. Uh, you know, in the last game, he could have had two or three returns. So he's a very good option. He's basically what Rashford is. It's yeah. just the price that is blinding people. Uh, he has really changed in terms of his, um, you know, uh, my perception of him because I thought he doesn't have as good a left foot, but he's actually got a great left foot as well. So him moving to the right hasn't hindered his goal threat. If anything, it's added his assist threat because he then can cross to to Hoyland or Rashford who's coming in. Bruno is okay. Bruno is still Bruno, penalties and everything else. But I'm just not seeing him as further forward because he's he has to work... At, you know, come back and help out a lot because Casemiro is not playing that well. So I'd say Garnacho is fine. My main question was because you have Sun on the bench, mm-hmm. as soon as Sun is back next week, you have eight very good attackers. And who will you basically bench? Because Garnacho plays Man City, um, yep. I think the week after, right? Game week 27. Mm-hmm. Um, game week 28, you'll want a doubler or somebody else. And then you'll start thinking about blank game week. So therefore, Garnacho for me works this week. But then you can also go for a netto because that's also a great one week point. Yeah, I, I think the, the the thing here is that Huang would probably fall towards the bench in gaming twenty seven because he plays he plays Newcastle away, and obviously even though Newcastle as bad as they are now, I still think, I mean, especially you know me sort of moving towards an analytics approach, I I'm very comfortable with having a deep bench. I know Flapjack doesn't like hearing this, but um. If, if Huang has, let's say, 10 points versus Newcastle, which is very likely, we just saw Solanke get 12 um, in the same scenario. I, I'm totally okay with it. I would just play and have the best fixtures possible with Odegaard, Saka, Richarlison, Son, and, and the front line that you can kind of see right now. No, I, I get it. I mean, I'm someone who's benched Foden's 20 points, Palmer's 10 points. You know, it, it is what it is. As it, you are building up to a squad, especially at this time, because you need your 15 players. If you're having dead players... They won't help you in the doubles in the blank. So I get it, and it's part of it. Yep. I would still recommend playing Huang over Garnacho, Man City over Newcastle. <laughs> no, no, so Gar- Garnacho would be sold for Richarlison in this situation, if I'm if I'm to book that transfer. Obviously, if if, if not, then then yeah, Garnacho simply falls to the bench, and I can even roll in this situation. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't think we need to discuss Saka. That makes sense. Forward line I want to chat about, because... Yeah. There's no Tony here. Mm. People would say, you know, this is your chance to get a Tony. Uh, he plays all the games and he's a good pick. Why not Tony? I think you're right, actually. The, the, there's a genuine question to be had about why I don't have Tony in place of Solanke. And um, because I, I think if, if you took the logic of my team, 
Tony would come in probably for Haaland on gaming 28 because that's not a good Haaland fixture at all. Um, and even though Tony himself doesn't have a good fixture, it's sort of a, a transfer that would allow me to prepare for gaming 29, right? And that's something that I could do. And so if I'm to, let's say, go Tony on gaming 28 anyways and, and have him benched in my team, which would be quite strong anyways, um, I suppose I would just be playing Watkins and Slanky. And then the comparison, of course, would be why not just start Tony Watkins Holland, as you mentioned. Uh, and then the comparison is Tony versus Lanky and their specific fixtures in games 26 and 27. I think one of the concerns is that let's say there are more crazy upsets that I can't react to. Um, I don't necessarily love the idea of booking a transfer that has to happen, like no matter what, on a wild card which would be the case where if I go Tony in place of Slanky, I'd have to do. So I'd, I'd have to book Holland to Slanky on Gaming 28, uh, and that would be a must-do. I'm still actually deliberating it because I think, you know, sometimes we just have to take these opportunity costs in, in FPL. I think you'd have to say that Tony's fixtures are better than Slanky, but the question, of course, is, is it worth getting that potential extra information that would lead me towards a slightly different transfer than than the simple Holland to Tony that um, you suggested would most likely you know, be something I end up with anyways. Um, so I, I think it's... I think the other thing yeah. is... Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say, the other thing is you are then committing to selling Haaland. Exactly. If something changes, then you don't have to sell Haaland to get Solanke. Um, so that also, I guess, it sits well with people. But I presume you plan to sell Haaland in Game Week 29, right? Um, yeah, or even Game Week 28. Or 28. Yeah. So, okay. So that's on the team. So I like it. Um, you talked about areas where it could change. It could be the Pedro Poro spot. It could be the Garnacho spot. It could be a forward slot with Solanke. Other than that, you feel fairly settled? Yes, because I think when you look at this team, obviously, even if, if I have three transfers, you know, let's not assume that I take hits. I would only land with nine players on Game Week 29, um, you know, on the current slate. And I think that's something that I'm comfortable with right now, like eight to nine players on that fixture. Uh, window is something that I'm fine with because, as you say, there are, there are many things to be to be to, to, to sort of think about. Gaming thirty plus, particularly if I'm going to free out in thirty four, um, I'll need to spend as many transfers as possible to maximize gaming thirty seven, and that's something I'm comfortable with. Basically, losing a little bit of value on gaming twenty nine, and some managers will probably free hit twenty nine wildcard thirty five, which I think obviously yep. those are the key weeks where I might lose out a lot, and we'll see what happens. Um, but of course, the, the flip side is I, I should be able to advantage myself in the short term, and, and hopefully I do. Right, right. Okay, so now that you've alluded to it, tell me your plan, your path to get to these nine players. So you're selling Garnacho for Richarlison, so you have your six Villa and Spurs, and Regulion, that's seven. Mm -hmm. Where'd you go from that, from 27? Yeah, so uh, Holland to Tony would be another move. Um, that's eight now? Exactly. And then that ninth move would be, it really just would depend on if there's any upsets. I, I think I'm a little bit more um, open to whatever really happens. Okay, so it could be Huang to Mad... No, not Madison. It could be... I don't know who plays Bowen uh, or a defender, I suppose. I think uh, w one move, obviously, that I could make... Um... I mean, I could simply go back to Douglas Louise. It's it's not really a problem. Um, I'll well, I mean, it, oh sorry, no, of course. Um, what was I actually thinking about? Um, because most of your most of your free transfers are 
probably coming in midfield and this is where people are struggling this week yeah no that's a good point um Hmm. So this could merit not going Pedro Porro and getting Madison. Potentially, yeah. Wang. That's something I did think about. Um, but then I was also concerned that my defense would be quite poor. Plus also, hmm, I have I need I need some money for Salah as well on gaming 30. So I was thinking Odegaard would be my placeholder well, for that. That's going to be my next question. Yeah. As you come out of the blank, so let's assume mm -hmm. you, you, get an, you, you get a ninth player and you don't take any further hits. My... But personally, is basically how do you come out of your game week twenty nine mess? And I think one way is you're not gonna mess up your team. You're not gonna go for your triple, uh, you know, Luton or whatever. By the way, Luton could be players you could target. So Lanky to Adebayo, for example. If yeah, I was actually uh, thinking about it. Sorry, because obviously I, I would probably go Doughty with one of the players within my team. Like let's say Sinesi to Doughty yeah. would be would be the move on game week twenty nine potentially. Um, or you'd probably do it before, right? You'd probably do Gabriel. To, uh, yeah, although you, have to, you you need a defender slot to get to Doughty in the game week before because you want his double as well. So yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so I think some thinking around the defender slot will. will help. Such a good point. Um, sorry, because the thing is, I I have a draft with Ait Nuri where I go Ait Nuri now. Um, to to Doughty. Right. I'm trying to think what I was actually planning with this transfer, if you don't mind so much. Um, right, that's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the future while you're thinking about the gimmick twenty nine. Yeah. So for me personally, one of my fears while carding earlier is basically when I come out of gimmick twenty nine, gimmick thirty and beyond is a period that is still unknown, right? I mean, at the exactly. moment, even if even if next week's fixtures, we we find out that uh, you know we now know the quarterfinalists of the FA Cup, we know the blank for twenty nine, we still don't know for sure how thirty four and thirty seven look because. Let's say if Chelsea have Liverpool as their quarterfinal. Now, that can go either way. If, you know, in terms of who then plays in, in 34 versus who plays in 37. So that's my first concern coming out of 29. And my second concern is my premiums. Like, you know, you're selling Haaland here. You'll probably, because you've sold Haaland, you can afford a Salah. But can you afford a Salah, Sun and Haaland? No. Um, no, there's and no way. I don't way. think even wildcarders could do that. No. So are you then saying that when you will come out of your wild card, you're going to be Haalandless? Um, coming out of the wild card, I'm aiming to be Haalandless and going towards Salah. Just oh, out of twenty nine, I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would get Salah on thirty. I think it has to be because Salah wouldn't be um a twenty nine player. Um, so so twenty nine would probably be one week where I, whoever plays, I'll probably replace one of the players on my team, probably an Arsenal player as you mentioned. Um, because the funny thing is I I've been on Saliba drafts recently, so. I was thinking, obviously, Saliba is a player that can leave my team. Odegaard probably would be the one who leaves my team um, on Gimmick 29. And then on Gimmick 30, I could go into Salah as well with the sort of Haaland money. But of, of course, if let's say um, I want to keep Haaland instead, it might just have to be the hokey-cokey like last season when we kind of did the same thing with Haaland when he had a blank. And I I'm comfortable with that. I think I'd, I'd have to just basically hope that Sun carries me through throughout game week 33 and then beyond that i'd probably have to uh, rejig my team depending on on how 37 is outlined because i think the key thing here is that if i wildcard early and i don't free hit 34 um clearly of course I'd, I'd i'd have even more of an advantage in the short term but there's no way i can actually really navigate 34 and 37 because the fixtures just don't overlap at all um no matter yes, what happens you yeah. Need that free hit. yeah you need that free hit i mean on one hand i think people who are wildcarding now 
to do the homework and just see what if you free hit it in 29 yeah um because and this can change next week as well if there's an upset or if there's a change because if bournemouth have a game then suddenly you say yeah, i have triple bournemouth i have three villa three spurs uh, i have a wolves i'm actually fine or you may actually say it's different and i want to free hit this week and uh, because bournemouth don't have a game bournemouth have good fixtures coming out of the wild card as well of oh, sorry game week 29 as well so it could be a good way to keep your Holland, keep your Bournemouth, keep your Arsenal and just basically bin 29 and free hit. But as you said, then you'll give up some upside in game week 34, which is very different in terms of the doubles for game week 37. So it's a tricky one in terms of when you plan your your, your free hit. Yeah, I think you make a good point, obviously. And that's why I've tried to reduce the amount of players that are confirmed for game week 29 right now. Because I think if I, let's say, went for a draft that was um, assuming the worst case scenario, let's say Luton and Nottingham Forest is the only game that will be played. Um, then I'd probably have players like Bowen and Douglas Lewis in this draft for sure. That would guarantee me an extra outfield player in terms of how I maximize triple Aston Villa. I'd also have Flecken as a goalkeeper. And um, that would be sort of the the non-gamble uh, strategy. But yeah, I think the, the key thing here, of course, is that my team basically looks like what would be what would be close to a wildcard 20, uh, a free at 29 team because I've got the additional Wolves uh, and United players. And I mean, there could be some other assets that, that you'd look at more so, like, let's say you could actually include Neto from Wolves in your draft, Adalo in your draft now, particularly with the injuries with the United squad. And that would be a free at 29 template. But I, I like the idea that hopefully some upsets will land. And probably the only upset that I can't really manage well for right now is a Newcastle upset, a City upset and a Liverpool upset. Although the City upset is also, I think, based on whether Brighton get upset as well. So that's that feels very insulated. So I haven't planned for that. Um, but yeah, Liverpool and Newcastle could hurt City, me the Liverpool most. Liverpool and Brighton, yeah, City, Liverpool, Brighton, you can be fairly sure. Although with Liverpool's injuries, who knows? I oh, mean, there's that's a good point to too. I mean, we'll see how they play versus Luton, but um, yeah, that could be quite scary. If there's a Liverpool upset, that'll trigger a lot of wild cards because people will have sold their Liverpool this week. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting too, because because also what Liverpool assets would you go for if they have these very serious injuries? Um, and, and, and I don't you're know. Right, you're right, there's not much how Salah is, but he seems to be injured potentially and he'll have to be managed. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a lot of questions and yeah, maybe it's a 28 wildcard instead of 27. That's a good point. I don't know. A lot of questions. A lot of people like me are leaving the thinking and the brain power to after knowing the FA Cups, but we're leaving a lot of value this week on the table and this is where you will make your gains. I mean, I honestly think this team beats the average score by 15 points this week and you could actually, you could just make all your gains this week because of that so uh, you know people shouldn't be shy about thinking about wildcard if their team needs it especially if you're in minus eight territory to play single game weekers you need to be thinking a little bit harder i had tweeted this i think four days ago this is why you're when i heard that you'd click the button i was like i have to speak to him because mm -hmm. i tweeted this that people need to think about game week 26 wildcard a lot more and not be afraid of it's so far out, you know, the, you know the, my, my bench boost in 37, I'll have to... What do you think about this? I mean, if there's a couple of injuries, two, three injuries, is that, I mean, obviously it does make you a little nervous, but is that something that you considered? Because then you'll be fixing your bench players in 34, 35, 36, leading up to 37. Yeah, I think that happens every season. I remember last season we had Shaw, for example, and, and you know, within a week of the double game week, he's, he's suddenly lost to us. And, and these things happen all the time. I think... You know injuries you just have to just take the take the losses as you come and yeah i mean wildcard 35 it feels like that would work for most managers who somehow have no issues um 
you know, leading towards that sort of fixture scenario. Because I think even recently, of course, some people who wildcarded had gone into players like Konsa and Trent, and suddenly their team looks calamitous. Whereas someone who might not have um, owned Konsa or Trent, they they they're suddenly laughing. And and that that doesn't really matter, you know, when you wildcard, but who you own and who who actually gets injured. So, um, yeah, I think clearly I'll, I'll struggle for gaming thirty seven, but. When you have a bench boost as well, I think that's and, and and conveniently as well. If you bench boost, let's say close to the end of the season, you don't feel like there's gonna have any. There's not there's not gonna be serious impacts when there's only one fixture left to go in gaming thirty eight, and because of the pricing of the season, I think a lot of us have probably carried you know more superior bench players than than any other season FPL. Like maybe within the first half of the season already, most people would have had fourteen good players compared to the usual let's say twelve and and. That, that's a huge change because of what, what what is sort of given to us by price. So, for example, this week, if I let's say go Ait Nuri on this draft and see him as a little bit of a punt, I think he could replace Regulon because you could argue that the upside of getting to play Sheffield United at home is basically worthy of maybe two two Brentford games. And, and suddenly, I, I have a much more convenient solution to getting Doughty in my team. Um, just thinking back to, of course, that question earlier. And those kind of things are just realities. And I, I yeah, if injuries happen, I'll... Um, I'll definitely throw a lot of hits around Gaming 37. Hmm. Have you thought about Gaming 37 at all in this in this draft? Uh, like I actually have, I, but I not in this on? draft. This draft, I think, doesn't feature, let's say, uh, a double Gaming Keeper on 37 or two of them, right? I think there, there's a world where you can go Kaminsky-Ederson if you are completely faithful so towards inside. United, exactly. Um, and you could obviously still have Ederson. I think Vicario as well could could very well... Um, maybe, but, but I think he, he his fixture could even drop uh, a week earlier um, on Gaming 36. Right. So that's these are things that I don't want to plan for so far in the distance. Like Leno, for example, is a keeper that I haven't paid any attention to, even though he could very well um, be a double Gaming 37 keeper, just because, first of all, his fixtures are bad and it's too far, far out and I'm more than prepared to take a hit when the time comes to go for a goalkeeper. Yeah. Awesome. Um, that has been very good, and sorry for sometimes the grilling, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to get your thought process, which has been absolutely brilliant uh, as as ever. So, uh, I hope people who are considering it or are on a wild card, this has been helpful. Uh, Fran, anything else in terms of your team or your thinking or your planning that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously still like in the phase of just moving through tons of drafts, so I've been sifting through probably 15 to 20. So, apologies about. Um, yeah. not having my gaming 29 transfers right. But I think the key thing that people want to look at is um, just being flexible to the idea that um, an upset will happen and whatever amalgamation of team that you have, it, it's very likely that you could be better um, covered for gaming 29 than you actually think. So don't lose your mind over getting West Ham and Burnley players um, because it's very unlikely that you'll care about them. Um, try to prioritize, obviously, teams with good fixtures and, um, you know, as I said, plan for what will be a very difficult 34 and 37 period. I think that's the only thing I would say. Excellent. You've been brilliant, uh, Fran. It was lovely to have you on. Uh, guys, check out FPL Space Fran on YouTube if you want to check out more of his content. Good luck with your wildcard. And uh, I hope we'll see more updates uh, either on your channel or on Twitter or wherever. Uh, and yeah, happy tinkering. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me, Braz. Social Podcast Network.